That cold case you're listening to? Nasty stuff. But you know what else is a crime? Missing even a moment of whatever you're doing to go on a drink run. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered in under 60 minutes. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. The group KISS kicks off a 60-city American tour this February. The group dropped out of the American music scene for a while, but we found them gearing up for an exciting comeback. But the men in the mysterious makeup disappeared over the past several months. With KISS, it's not so much a case of where are they now, but where did they go? We pretty much left the country two years ago. For a band to stay around as long as we have, this is our ninth year as a, as a professional group with albums out. And after that amount of time, you have to expect that some people are going to want you to take a break. And Or you, you know, break down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, after this amount of time, you really have to, to find other places to play. But KISS has returned now with a new musical approach. It's an album called Music from the Elder, based on a single mystical concept. The rock music jury is still out on the new KISS album. Some are staring at me, but I'm no hero, though I wish I could be, but I am just a boy. Welcome to Cobras and Fire, uh, the Elder Edition, Part 2, which of course is covering Side 2. Before we get into the amazingly intellectual conversation I had with Rob Kern, we have a special guest who's going to, you know, kind of chime in and probably smarten up the conversation a little bit. Of course, I'm talking about uh, from KISS FAQ, Julian Gill. Julian, thank you for being here. Jason, thanks for having me on. I don't know about smartening up the conversation, but I'll, <laughs> certainly, I'll certainly try and spice it up. Give me your thoughts, maybe your introduction and your, your whole attitude towards music. Anything you want to talk about regarding music from the Elder. You know, Music from the Elder was the first holy grail for me as a KISS fan. Uh, people out there may not realize, but I didn't become a fan until 1985 in the Asylum album. And in the mid-80s, it was nearly impossible to find that album in stores where I was living at the time, which was Binghamton Upstate oh, New York. Oh, totally. So it, it was just never around uh, when the 85 remass, uh, or reissues came out on cassette, which were the albums that I was buying at the time. Uh, the local stores didn't get in the copy of The Elder, and I didn't even know until this past year that it had actually come out in 85 on cassette as part of those black label um, cassettes, and it, I've picked up a few this year. You know, it became one that I, I, it was the last album that I needed to find for my collection to that point. Mm -hmm. And I searched high and low, and I would be getting into kind of like battles with other collectors <laughs> at record stores. I'd, I'd find out that a store had like the World Without Heroes single, you know, available, and that what, one what collector. What store had that? Uh, Oh, it, it was it like was a, a used copy store. or something. Yeah, okay. You know, yeah, it, it was final place. You know, that was the only place they never had the album itself. They 
you know, occasionally got a single in and I would always miss it by maybe a few days. That other collector always got there ahead of me for some odd reason. And I had to resort to buying the Japanese version of the Oath single by mail order from a circus magazine ad. And that was my first, you know, kind of interaction with the elder material. You didn't hear it when it came out then. Oh, no, no. When it came out, I was not, I wasn't into Kiss. I was still listening to nothing but the Beatles and John Lennon. You know, I still had my English accent in 81. So, oh, where are you from? I moved here from Bradford in, uh, what was it December seventy eight? So I didn't get into him. You have music. lost a ton of the accent. Yeah, now oh, that my, you mention it, I hear it a little gone. bit. It's gone. It'll come out now and then. Give me a couple of beers, and everyone thinks I'm Irish. But I guess that <laughs> so, happens. So it's not Julian. It's it's Julian. No, oh, jolly good. Come on, Julian. Yeah, I I, uh, I, 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 obviously you can tell I have a great Cockney. Anyway, carry on, please. So the oath. Uh, you know, that was my first interaction with The Elder, the first song I ever got to hear. And Escape from the Island was the B-side on that single. So for for a while, at least a couple of years, that was all I knew about The Elder. I still couldn't find the album. Finally, in 10th grade, uh, some guy in my math class, I think it was, had a copy. And we traded. I gave him 5150 and Def Leppard's uh, <laughs> two albums for The Elder. And I felt pretty hard done right by on. I had to give him two albums, but I wanted it so badly. So I finally got it, and it was like holding it. It was like, oh, finally. One thing you said that that reminded me of something I didn't touch on in the podcast was that you talked about how hard it was to find in the 80s, especially, you know, like the mid-80s, because it came out in 81. I bought it on Japanese import. at, uh, at I had, And I lived in a small town about an hour south of the Twin Cities at the time. So it was a big travel, and I paid fifty dollars to have this thing UPS to my house, or oh, I'm sorry, the UPS fee was on top of the fifty bucks. I'm not kidding you, Julian. Like about two months later, it came out on all those initial, like the very first US CD. It was like you know eighty nine or eighty eight or something like that. Um, and so, but it had this weird order I wasn't familiar with because I had the cassette you're talking about, and a friend of mine had the record back when it actually came out, but. Yep, it, it's one of those ones I always look at in record stores. I'm never going to pass it up and not at least uh, check to see if there's not something interesting about the label or about the track order. <laughs> yeah, because you got the, the, the different sleeves and stuff. Yeah, different pressing pants. I, I mean, I'm still looking for just the one with the single insert sheets of the um, of the lyrics and all that. You know, never did. Well, I did have one, but I got rid of it years ago. So I'm still looking for one. Yeah, I got one. Yeah. The only thing I've never had is the 8-track. How about you? Never. I tried to get a copy of it when we were doing the book because I wanted to do a comparison oh, of yeah? uh, the track splits on that and just make sure oh, there was God. nothing. Well, you, you know what happens with a lot of stuff is that it does get changed up between formats. So mm-hmm. um, I, I wanted to do a validation of that. But I kept getting outbid on eBay, and it was going for stupid money. And to be honest, it wasn't really worth it. And what coin I did have left, I had dropped on a test pressing of the album. To I thought that was more important. So you actually... It's it's amazing though. So you got into Kiss. What year then? If if the Elder wasn't on your radar and when it came out, eighty five. It was uh, Asylum. Yeah, I'm an Asylum. Uh, Oh my god, that record sucks, Julian. I love it. I wear fluorescent stuff to bed every night. Well, we're talking about the Elder, so a lot of people are going. You think the uh, Asylum sucks? (laughs) Um, Well, that's interesting because yeah, I mean, I was a Kiss fan from seventy seven. 
And when it came out, I, there were songs I liked and didn't like, but I still liked it. And I, I still, but I listen to it a lot, even currently. How about you? I listen to it a fair amount. I mean, it, it's not going to be one that's ever in the top of my rotation. If I need a Kiss album and I need one stat, right. I, I go straight to Rock and Roll Over. I don't go straight to The Elder. Ooh, Let's put it that way. Nice. You know, uh, it, it's it's one where I'm if I'm a bit bored and just a little bit adventurous, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm going bored. to Crazy Nights. I'm not going to Carnival of Souls. I'm going to The Elder because I, I at least know, you know, I'm going to get the exquisite recording and quality um there and it, it's gonna soothe me and and do you listen to the whole thing at once or do you it, this is not an album you can cherry pick right no this is one i will l- listen to straight through i've got some playlists set up on my machine that will play it in the various track sequences through its history so you know i'm st- <laughs> I'm, I'm you know there's about eight different track orders that were considered for this so it's one of those things that i'm still listening to trying to figure out which one actually makes sense and which one works best for my brain it, oh. it, it's one of those things so it's experimental still I, I i like that and if you actually take time to listen to the the, the podcast we put together we actually decide which is the right one but uh because we're experts and geniuses you know when it comes to that's brilliant that, that's brilliant <laughs> outside of you of course um hey let's talk about this gigantic wonderful book you did odyssey it's called the definitive that's that's a key word there examination of music from the elder <laughs> music from the elder of course we're talking about kiss's cult classic album um you co-wrote this with uh, tim mcfate did i get this name right that's that's right tim mcfate's the boss on this one and the leading force he is the boy on the quest it is so dense. I love it. There has to be more information about this record in this one book than there has been in the 35 years since it came out. Uh, kudos. Thank you. Whatever. The, even people who don't like the record that are KISS fans have to have this book. You know, I think that's the aim of what we try and do and, and what my mission in, like, the kiss fan circle still is is to dig up the arcane information and if you look at the people that tim predominantly interviewed in that book he's going deep i mean fans the the picture that we're painting is going to the people who worked at polygram the people who worked behind the board um the engineers so rather than talking to gene and paul and getting their usual kind of stock answers or, you know, they won't even talk to you about The Elder. They, they just disown it that much. You I think it's a great the, record. It's just not a great Kiss record. Yeah, you know, that's such a cop-out because it's such a beautifully recorded record. It really is, yes. Record. Thank Simple you. Simple as that. So you, you talk to the engineers. You talk to the people who helped capture that and, and worked with Bob. And I think you get a more objective appraisal of the work as art and as a project. It's much more honest because no one ever believes anything Gene and Paul says. It's just unfortunate now that they just, they're so distrustful of their opinions and their recollections. But I also look at it, they weren't taking notes when they were living life any more than any any of us take of notes. Of course. They were living it and now we're going back and trying to you know, build up that picture. We don't need to be there. We don't need to talk to them to paint that picture. So there was no effort to talk to anybody from the band. Oh, there was an effort to talk to people from the band. Okay. Without a doubt. Uh, you know, you, you do try. You do want to sit down and, mm. you know, say, come on, let's put it all out there. Let, you know, but time 
But you, you are correct. It doesn't matter which one you're talking to. For different reasons, you're not going to get a real honest view of this record you know, from Ace to Gene or Paul. I, I don't think you can. I mean, I, I know Paul in particular was very hurt by this whole experience. If you If you listen to the work that he does on this album, both musically and vocally, he stretches himself. He is so far out of his comfort zone. After you read, And he does a very good job. He does a fantastic job. Yeah. And when you read his book, you kind of get a better picture of him as a man and as a human of why he wouldn't necessarily want to go back and kind of relive it. It's uncomfortable in many I mean, ways. I mean, sort of, but only in the sense of that, like, he can't let shit go. I mean, not in the sense of, like, uh, it hurt him then. It's almost like... Um, like the Wicked Lester, I get why they wouldn't release it in 79, but I don't get why they won't do it now. It, it, there is no shame in it anymore. Why can't he just have an honest opinion and say, you know what, it just didn't work out. I actually really dug hard and deep, and it sucked when it, it didn't pan out the way I wanted to. Yeah, you know, that makes that makes too much sense, but I guess you rise to a certain plateau within the industry. Rise to it. and, and Yeah. And you have all these people telling you want to hear what you want to hear for so many years that you kind of get lost in that fog, I think, to a certain extent. My big takeaway that I got as far as like a, a revelation in it is that Bob Ezrin is kind of backtracking on the whole story that like he was just kind of drugged out and not really involved. That was kind of the um, the 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 story that was painted for the longest time like well bob ezrin was just coming off of the wall and he was all coked out and he wasn't really involved you know he actually gets very detailed in this and has a lot of recollections and backs up a lot of like um you know ideas that people like me who get who you know interpret things paul or gene might say a certain way i thought that was a great revelation that you you uncovered in the book I think to a certain extent, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and having had all these years to kind of move away from the project and come up with, you know, this is my independent opinion on it at this point, mm -hmm. that it, it could change the next day if you ask any of them. I mean, when you're talking to the, you know, I interviewed uh, the guitarist from the Kings, who was one of those projects that Bob was working on concurrently with Kiss, and you get the same sort of thing from him that we've all kind of led to believe, you know, over the years that Bob was lost in the haze, working on too much, um, ha having too much going on in his life, his personal life at the time. So I think it's a balance between 50-50 between it. But uh, I, I think it paints a better picture now of exactly kind of the mess that is 1981 for the band. My only complaint about the book is that it's so beautifully bound but yet it's so perfect to read in the bathroom. It's like, I don't want, I will never take this to the bathroom, but it's, it's the perfect, because like, uh, even the, the guy I do the, 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 that I share the, our opinions on the, on the elder with, we talk about how we basically jump around from like parts of the book. We just kind of scan back and forth. It's almost like reading a Bible. You don't read it from beginning to end. You pick your chapter and verse. You, you can absolutely do that, and that is part of the object. Um, it, it isn't a matter of laziness that it wasn't turned into a narrative form. It It is easier oh, to take, take it that all... Way. You know, it's easier to take all these individual interviews and present them so that they can be read individually. You know, that that's, you know, one of my prefaces. I am working on a narrative one, you know, for a hopeful 33rd and a third, or a 33 and a third, you know, uh, book. So you can put me down for, for a pre-sale. 
But, you know, I'd I like to be able to pick and choose between them. It's easier to work with them as well and, you know, just go from that kind of perspective, you know. And, of course, where can anybody get the book? Anyone can get the book just about anywhere. I mean, if you need to find a place, go to kissodyssey.com, and we've got links to most of the major booksellers. Obviously, Amazon is your biggest, but it's available internationally. Uh, folks in Australia do have a challenge getting these books, but uh, it is stocked domestically there, so they should not be they should not be paying international postage to get it. Stocked in Canada and Europe as well, so kissodyssey.com is your one-stop shop for finding out anything about the book, and you can read a couple of the interviews there, uh, full samples. Uh, any last thoughts on the record? Just, I, I, I mean, we have to be kind to this record. When you listen to it, compare it with, you know, Destroyer. Because for me, the two are basically the same thing. They both have the same sort of songs. Instead of Beth, you've got a world without heroes. Mm-hmm. Think of it. You know, it, it, it's not Good so point. much... It's not so much the concept album as the Bob Ezrin kind of cookie cutter, you know, approach to dealing with Kiss. So you, you've got uh, Mr. Blackwell instead of God of Thunder. You've got, you know, the Oath instead of Detroit Rock City. For, for me, I really started drawing parallels between these two albums. Well, thanks for ruining this record for me, Julian. <laughs> Julian? Well, as long as we don't ruin uh, Destroyer or some other albums in the catalog. That's, yeah, uh, no, no, it's fair. all good fun, right? It's an amazing book. Well done. I, I love it. Well, thank you. That's very kind of you to say, and I know Tim and myself appreciate any nice words people have to say about our efforts. Uh, Julian, thank you so much for joining Cobras and Fire. Um, please check out uh, the Kiss FAQ podcast, right? That's right. We're coming up to our 100th episode and yeah, uh, have I'm enjoyed st- every single one. I'm still waiting for the invite. Uh, I am an extremely uh, uh, charismatic uh, talker, and I, and I like interrupting people. So. Well, you know, you'd be perfect for an episode, <laughs> and we're, we are always willing to put new faces on. That's the whole idea behind sure. our podcast. No, I know. We talked about a little bit on Facebook. But, yeah, we'll get that together at some point. Um, but, again, uh, go out and buy Odyssey Music from the Elder at kissodyssey.com, correct? That's correct. And check out, uh, I don't know, if you have some personal opinion that's just ridiculous and stupid, go to Kiss FAQ and uh, post it, and uh, somebody will chime in and call you an idiot. And then someone will call that guy an idiot and support your initial thought. So, Awesome. Have a good night, Julian. produced Destroyer, as uh, Kiss would like to remind us a lot. It's the only record they released in the 70s. Um, It's kind of odd that, like, the first two records that he produced with them, because he's done three now, uh, 
one is basically treated like the only thing they did, and the other one is like they never did it. Right. And um, I, it sounds like Bob is starting to brush back a little bit on the uh, he was out of it. Have you heard much on that or read it in that book? Yeah, I read it in the book. Yeah, you know, he because, yeah, for the longest time, he was just like, oh, I was just coked out of my gourd. Yeah. And, you know, don't really remember much of it. He's got that uh, that Alice Cooper thing going on with the, those albums that Alice doesn't remember a, a lick of, which I still I disagree with. I'd love to sit down with Alice and just pin him down and get him to talk. I talk about zipper catches skin right now. God damn it. Don't give me this. You're too high bullshit. He's at least got a healthy respect for what he was doing. It doesn't seem like Kiss does on this. It seems like they, they pin a lot of it on Bob now conveniently. Paul acts as almost as if, like, well, yeah, I was in the room when it happened, but, you know, hey, <laughs> that wasn't me. Yeah, I wasn't on board with this. And uh, and then, of course, there's Ace's comments where, you know, of course, he knew it was going to fail. And I have no doubt in my mind that Ace was going, what the hell's going on here? But... <laughs> I don't think it was because, like, he knew better. I just, there's no way he could comprehend what they were trying to do. I, I just really think they were just reaching for anything at this point in time. Well, they were so used to getting their way, and, and there was a pretty big shift in music at that time, too. Now, the, it, it shouldn't have had an, a, too much of an effect on them, you wouldn't think, because they were never the, the popular genre. You know what I mean? They were never the yeah. I mean, they weren't punk when punk was cool. They weren't, well, they were disco, but it was at the end. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, their style of hard rock was never radio friendly. It was, it was more about, you know, connecting with the, the fans and getting them to the, was, they had more in common with Iron Maiden than he, than he did Rod Stewart when yeah. it came to the audience, you know? I think they were just burning through money at such a point. Yeah. And they had other things going on outside of Kiss, and they just, they didn't focus. Yeah, and it it's it certainly didn't help. Um, you know, as much as maybe Gene and Paul could have stopped and said, you know, maybe we really do need to reconnect as a band a little more with these two guys, Ace and Peter. But you really had two of the the weakest egos and almost no work ethic in those two. Yeah. And and you got pretty much the opposite in Gene and Paul except for the ego thing. They all had pretty fragile egos. Yeah. But, you know, they weren't going to stop and wait for them. Why should they? Bob Ezrin taught them that you can have somebody else play in the studio. You know, I'm not even sure if Gene played bass on this record. I mean, he's checked out on that, you know, for quite some time. But Oh, yeah. It, you know, it's yeah, you're right. Like, they're, they're kind of creatively spent. They're definitely not united as a band. Um, I, I do think Ace was, you know, being voted out a lot of these things. And I think it's easy to see why. I don't think I would have trusted Ace's opinion. You know, I mean, no, like, he's oh. Becker chugging cough syrup, dicking around. Yeah, I'm sure they were just like, oh Christ, just let's get through this album. I Come on, Ace. This thing called Purple Drank. It'll be popular in 20 years. <laughs> uh, did you read uh, Kick, uh, Chris Lent's book, Kiss and Sell, back in the day? Fucking, that's a brilliant book. That's that's a book I about every two three years I pull out and read uh, again. It is so good. I love the uh, um, the breakdown of like there's like a of, of the expenditures on tour and there's like ten grand aced champagne. <laughs> I, how fucked up is that? Like you, that's great. Isn't that like just kind of like a a kid from the hood, like thinking, look how successful I am. I drink champagne. 
<laughs> this Don Perignon's the, the yeah. love it. Ah! Oh God. Uh, <laughs> we touched on the concept uh, a while back when we were starting this. Um, I don't think a concept record can fit on on just two sides. I think I almost think of a, a, you know two records, four sides. How do you visualize a concept record? Can you do it in one album? It almost has to be like Operation Mindcrime at the shortest, fifteen songs. Yeah, yeah Mindcrime would be about the shortest. Uh, I, I just don't see how Kiss could have put together. I think they would have been stretched to put together three <laughs> si- three sides. Uh, to to shove this thing out the door. Um, I don't think they could have ever done a, a double record. All right, on to side two. It opens up with A World Without Heroes. And I'm going to again kick it to my gracious guest. You mentioned that uh, you like it when Gene, you know, does his, his kind of smoother voice. I, I'm a sucker when for Gene doing the smooth voice and Gene doing his Beatles voice. And yes. I... I World Without Heroes, I remember, you know, Solid Gold, Gene, you know, they showed the video with Gene with that little tear. Yeah, so I'm right on that. They didn't actually make a music video for it. It was just a Solid Gold video that gets rotated, and I think it was dumped on MTV. I think think it was a video that they did and just showed it on Solid Gold because there was nobody else. Nobody else was going to be showing that. But uh, I remember (laughs) catching a lot of flack from from kids at school you know especially with gene you know doing that tear ah look at you your, your kiss guys are a bunch of crybabies man yeah it's that was not um the most thought out moment but again leads to my theory that like we're playing a serious record now ace you know like they really were just sucked into this thing like this is yeah. very deep and heavy good song gene Although Paul probably never said "good song, Gene," ever. No, <laughs> I don't. I don't compliment the demon. Uh, I didn't mind a world without heroes. Eh? I you know, like once it. again, it was, it was a ballad, but it was once again I was able to show to the non-kiss people, hey, see, they can write you know serious ballads too. They're not just meatheads, you know, pounding out three chords. Now, how would Brett Michaels sing it though? You know, like. Uh, World without heroes, like a world without sunder. Look up. I don't even know. Yeah, there we go. Brett Michaels doing World Without Heroes. What would Brett Michaels do? Hey, that's like this is a great moment for me to segue. Hopefully, I can remember the the five things I want to do. You know how like um uh, Gene every time he does something he names it Gene Simmons. Yeah. You know, or kiss. You know, but you know, like Gene Simmons tongue and the L.A. kiss. So I'm going to just kind of do um, uh, uh, like a, a Rorschach test or one of those things where uh, you know, like this immediate thing that comes to your mind, what's the first thing? And where I will name things and imagine if Gene owned it and you tell me what you think it would be called. Okay. You, you ready for this? Yes. All right. What would it be called if Gene owned Twitter? Well, it would be it would be Gene Simmons's Twitter. Yes. All right, we're good. One for one. All right, what would it be if it was Krispy Kreme? Gene Simmons's most excellent donuts. It's good, solid. Okay. Um, what about uh, Coors Light? As Gene Simmons, I don't like to drink beer, but if I did drink beer, Gene Simmons's light beer would be the Corificest. And it would all fit on the label just perfect. Yeah, it would just be a big, yeah, a big ramp, ramble. 
Okay. With and him wearing the hat. You know, I, I love how he wears the hat. He kind of wears it like Donald Trump wears a ball hat. <laughs> And yeah, it would they be both a picture. have giant melons, don't they? Yeah, he, he would have that picture of that hat just sitting on top of his hair and it's on like, the label. And it's like, either one of them own a mirror? Have you looked how a baseball hat looks on your fucking head? And by, <laughs> I, I sympathize. There's a reason you won't see me wearing a fucking baseball hat. Because it looks fucking ridiculous on my giant head. <laughs> and they wear the ugliest, cheapest oh, looking hats. You. It's like, you know, some, have somebody Make roll America that goddamn bill. Fucking cheap hats. Oh, yeah. Our, our new king, Rob. Uh, but, yeah, and Gene's always got whatever product he's fucking selling at the time. It's you know, just, And it's just like, just like, glue my wig to this. I'm wearing it tomorrow. Uh, glue my wig to this. I'll work on the Gene impression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gene Simmons. Uh, <laughs> all right. One last one. New York Times. Oh, the Simmons Times. Yeah, all right. All right. Good job, everybody. Let's. Uh, apparently, I'm the only one here. All right. Uh, so, moving on back to music from the Elder, side two. Now we bring us to the Oath. Fire! 
which is probably the closest thing resembling a Kiss song that we have heard so far, correct? Correct, which which started off the original album. They're like, shove this sucker right to the front. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. The, the record label knew. Yeah. That, yeah, this is the one. But it, it kind of fits as the lead-in, kind of? Yeah, but, but yeah, this, it works. But, but really, at this point, I mean, let's kind of follow the story. If if just a boy is about like you know this, this boy going, oh, I don't know if I can handle the stress, and then Odyssey is about like him jumping on a boat that's taking him to wherever the fuck he's about to go through, and then I assume through a forest or something in some battles. Only you. What is that even about? I mean, how does that tie into the story? Uh, there's you know he's the one. He's you know he's having doubts, and you know. Uh, they're telling oh, yeah. him, "Hey, this, this is going to be a struggle. You know, loneliness will haunt you. You know, oh no, that's under the rose. I'm sorry. Only you is just them. You know, saying you're the dude. Right. Now that's where Paul comes in at the end. Like in every age and every time, a hero yeah. is born is yeah. by a grand design. I, yeah, and th- and then under the rose is where he's. You know, they're 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 grooming him. It's like when now when, uh, is the are the elder the order of the rose." I kind of pictured it like when Luke Skywalker was in the swamp with Yoda on his back, busting his balls. That's you know the 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 Order of the Rose are busting his ass. They're they're whipping him from a boy to a man. Okay, but it, that the Order of the Rose is not the Elder. Then it's like the Elder's training staff. Hell, I don't know. I I couldn't I couldn't follow it. Damn it, Rob! We're supposed to come up with an answer here. All right, so then Dark Light. What the fuck is Dark Light? It's you know he, that's he's in the shit you know and it's all the sunlight all the hope is sucked out. And then he puts up like a cool pot leaf poster and it glows. Yeah, yeah, you know he, he he's drinking <laughs> some good drinking some good codeine cough syrup and and he's, you know muscling through this. He just shit. got back from Spencer's and now the dark light he can put to use. <laughs> I just got a new dark light at Spencer's and a pot leaf poster and a pot leaf curtain beauty curtain. Ah, it's a dark light. <laughs> you know. All right. Well, then a world without heroes. Um, it sounds more like uh, at this point, the boy, is that the character's name? He's trying to be introspective and go, uh, like, if I don't do this, then the world kind of sucks because yeah. there's, there's no hero without me. You got to do it. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Then the oath is him kind of finally saying, you know what? I am the man. Yeah. I'm the shit. I'm, I am cool. I am the breeze. Yes. Precursor to 1983. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, what a great riff at the opening of the Otho. It's right up that Beavis and Butthead alley. Yeah. I love that strip. And, of course, on the original track listing, you, you're rocking out to that, and then fanfare comes. Yeah. And it was like, what? And the weird thing is, like, don't you... I mean, relate to me a little bit here. Like, as a kid, you're like, they know what they're doing. This makes sense. (laughs) I'm waiting for the movie. Yes. Yeah. It'll all come together. No, The Oath is a great song. But again, unnecessary falsetto, in my opinion. No compelled. Like, what if he just sang that in Paul Stanley voice? He already had a nice high rangey voice. Yeah. I dug it. I dug it. It was a nice change of pace. You did like it? Yeah. And if, if I could change one thing on this record, it would be the falsetto. Two things, it would be the concept. 
three, I'd get rid of Dark Light. No, I'm okay. Hey, now, hey, now. Oh, uh, all right. Uh, so he gets to the uh, the oath, and your glory, I swear, I'll ride for thee. Your power, I trust, it rides with me. Your servant, I am, and ever shall I be. Why is he got to be a servant? It sounds kind of like, you know, I went to Catholic school, and it sounds like something we used to say in Mass. Yeah. A lot of, you'd be standing up and sitting down while you were saying it a lot. Oh, yeah. So, like, uh, you stand up and say, your glory, I swear I'll ride for, for thee, then sit down for your power. I yeah. would say then pop back up for it. I trust it rides with me. And yes, your servant, I agree. And then back to your knees to say, I am in chat. <laughs> I be. Yep. Well, we're going to work that into a mass. <laughs> oh. Okay, so let me ask you this, Rob. Did you ever own a copy of it on uh, on uh, 8-Track? <laughs> Can we talk about my 8-Track collection? <laughs> I had every Kiss 8-Track up to and including Creatures of the Night. And I wish I would have kept all the Kiss 8-Tracks because I had every one of them. Wow. I would uh, that if that that and the creatures one are probably the last couple things that I would overspend for. Yeah, and and I had I had to get creatures from the record club. I believe that was the only way that I could get it was from like RCA was still selling eight tracks, and okay. that's where I got that one. <laughs> Did you ever have an eight track player that didn't eat the tape? The one I had, it was it was a pretty high end one, and it did a really good job. It never really ate tapes. I always I had a, a cleaner that I would run through it, and uh, it was a really nice deck. Well, I don't know. I, I've never experienced that. Uh, did <laughs> did what was the whole deal with the the cutting songs in half? I mean, I know it's a space limitation thing, but like, how come like nobody said you you can't do that? No, it was just you know you had to. Now some some eight tracks would. Uh, move the song selection around to try to yeah, you know, combat yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But there's still there's still records that I listen to that in my mind I still hear that <laughs> cha-chunk. I, yeah, I never had an 8-track that I listened to that much. I I had Dress to Kill on 8-track for the longest time and remember I told you we were very poor. Uh, yes. and so my dad uh, took a car he had an 8-track car stereo. So in my bedroom, I kid you not, this is after my parents got divorced, and it was me and my dad in one house and my two sisters and my mom in another. That was how we divided up the children. <laughs> um, a car battery connected to a, a car stereo that 8-Tracks could play in with a couple of car speakers. And, you know, like, they're not – he didn't build boxes or nothing. They're just fucking sitting there. Nice. And I guess, <laughs> and I that's that was my experience of listening to Dress to Kill. Uh, so yeah, it was pretty cool. But uh, occasionally it would suck the tape, and I'd have to pull it out and try to. And you remember like trying to like kind of like because you don't have like a set thing where you can dial it with like a pencil. You just no. kind of just jam it back. <laughs> oh, it was. And if you ever opened one and tried to rewind it, just uh, forget about it because yeah. it would unspool and you'd be hosed. Yeah, but I, I really think that that eight track tapes really made a generation of us be you know be patient with bands or be be patient music listeners because there was no fast forward there was no skip mm -hmm. anyway let's get back on track here uh so we can wrap this up all right so we just finished the oath which of course is uh the, the closest thing to a kiss song is heavy it's rocking and it's actually may, might be one of their heavier tunes to that point don't you think definitely one of the heaviest in a while 
Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, which brings us to Mr. Blackwell. Now, how do you read this song into the, the concept of the record? I never said I was more than a man. Do what I want, I don't give a damn. So we can know it makes me ill Don't like you now, it probably never will You cheat in life And wonder why you can't sleep at night I never could figure that out. I, I thought Mr. Blackwell was a guy that like critiqued how people dressed. Yes, and had sex with other men. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. No, I, I didn't know the guy. You're, I mean, I've heard that from other people. I'm like, you mean the fashion guy? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, the Kiss song. Do you, did, <laughs> did you like it at the time? Yeah, I, I, I dig the uh, kind of the later in the song where they go bam back and stop and have them little you know clackers yeah i dig that i dig that i, I thought that was uh, pretty cool but whatever uh yeah so i never said i was more than i am do what i want i don't give a damn you're also weak you know it makes me ill don't like you now and probably never will now the, everything that 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 we've you know been told by the experts mr blackwell is the antagonist in the story correct ah uh, yes yeah he's the bad guy um, who the boys got to somehow kick ass all over, but you don't really get a, a, a connection to like, what's the deal? Why is he bad? And why does the boy need to kick his ass? That probably would have been side three. Yeah. See, they could have done yeah. it. This is David and but, Goliath or, but evidently he, you know, he captured the boy and, and stuck him on an Island. Yeah. <laughs> Which brings us to escape from the Island. So he's got a, is that serious? That's what that, they're trying to say. Like, I never said I was more than I am, and I'm taking you and putting you on an island. <laughs> I love Escape from the Island. What just a just a rockin'. <laughs>
like you know i could see an action montage going on there you know the boy karate kicking some sons of bitches and you know on his way to like it's, it's like uh oh god i'm trying to think uh where you got to beat a bunch of guys to get to the guy uh yeah like rastan yeah <laughs> the video game you get to the end yeah, of the, he, and you know you... whips his ass and then and then he's on a on a real fast boat <laughs> coming off the island you know boogieing along on this oh, boat, wait, speed I, boat i imagine this taking the time in, in that like motors don't exist it's it's uh, they were old before they were young it's this time where time it's it's a loose concept where there's futuristic things and medieval things let's let let, no stick with me for a second what if we take the whole story of the elder but uh the boy is two people now and it's uh crockett and tubbs and this is an episode of miami vice Vice. it could be it was it was cuba dealer they, they were on flip. They were on flip Cuba, and yeah! they were, you know, the drug dealer kidnaps him and throws him on Cuba, and nobody's going to help him there because you know Cuba's evil. Yeah, and so they hijack a boat, head back to Miami just in time to thwart whatever Blackwell's about to do, and they're not wearing socks. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. All right. Nice. Um, I'm, I'll tell you what. I'm going to use the the profits from my. Uh, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park remake to make a proper Elder movie. Nice. And it will star. Uh, what were those two guys named? Don Johnson and, uh, and Philip Michael yeah, Thomas? Philip Michael Thomas, yes! yeah. And then we'll dig up. Oh, is Jan Hammer still alive? I think he is, okay, yeah. He and alive. Neil Sean he, just did a record recently. Yeah, he can, uh, he can write the soundtrack for it. All right, so now that we got that out of the way, Let's bring us to the crescendo. And the first song I think I heard off this record, which was I. Ah, that you know, once again, they close it out on a high note, you know, a rock and kiss tune with, you know, both of them singing, and I love it. And, of course, Gene can't wait to get to the part where he says, I don't do drugs, and neither should you. <laughs> yeah, they, they always said, oh, I bet that stuck in Ace's craw. I'm like, I bet Ace why, didn't give a why shit. Why not put that in there? Yeah, he, I don't think Ace even <laughs> probably ever heard it. But. Yeah, right, Curly. I don't have to do drugs. Ah! I don't need to get wasted either. I choose to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Ace Freely would. Um, there, There's no guitar solo on this, so, you know. And I know Paul played a lot of the lead. There's a pretty good chance that he was never around when that song was even being worked on, right? Oh, I'm sure. Because Eric Carr uh, doesn't even play drums on it. I think the uh, the big question here, uh, the the question when it comes to I, guts or balls? Oh, balls. Balls, definitely balls, yeah. Well, they changed it for a TV appearance. Yes. And then they sang guts on Fridays, too. Yes. And, and, and fuck that. And the guts to stand alone. They didn't have the guts to Think say balls, unfortunately. Now. I mean, half the songs on the radio just get like out during yeah. an F yeah. word. And like, they couldn't say balls. And the and, guts to say balls. Yeah. And, and it's not even like they were like singing along, and my balls getting sucked on by somebody. You know, it's like, it just, it's having the balls is all they said. And it's like, man, times have changed. Yeah. And, and, I don't and know you know, the this is. You know, and th- this was their first stabs at, at writing songs that weren't about fucking chicks. Yeah, I mean, uh, th- yeah, for the most part. I mean, th- there was always, like, little side areas where it wasn't so much. But, um, 
but even then it still was i mean you know, gene was always kind of creepy lyrically when you look back yeah oh yeah that's i always my my go-to road album whenever i'm taking a trip that's more than an hour is rock and roll over and it, it drives my wife nuts because she's like do we have to play this every time we you know make a two-hour drive and then of course i pipe up at hey don you know what this song's about fucking <laughs> hey you know what this one's about fucking well there's that paul stanley twitter account where like it seemed like for about a day it was like love gun it's about my penis <laughs> yeah it was like all these references to like yeah this song is about my penis <laughs> by the way if you're not familiar with the paul stanley parody, parody twitter account it is brilliant yeah, a P-A-W-L, yeah. P-A-W-L, Stanley. Um, I, I hear, the scuttlebutt I hear is that it's it's an insider. It is actually someone in the the KISS Corporation, but I don't know if that's true or not. Kind of like a metal sludge thing where it's like... Yeah, a, exactly, uh, yeah. It's a, you know, a, a semi-gruntled employee well, that... Well, uh, are you familiar with Kif, KISS F- FAQ? Kiss yes, Facts, yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm on there, but not. Uh, I'm, I'm just not very. I'm not as a big poster, but I've seen a couple things where that were shared by him. And there's somebody. He must be a regular guy on the on the site. But I, I've seen several times where they they say it's this guy named Yellow Shirt. I don't know who Yellow Shirt is. Yeah, me either. But uh, <laughs> maybe uh, he's an insider. I don't whatever, know. Whatever. Uh, whoever it is has got to be one of the smartest, funniest, best-looking people I've ever heard of. <laughs> Oh, but he seems to have Paul down. I, uh, uh, whatever. I, I I enjoy it. Yeah, it's it's funny. I dig it. Um. All right. So the last thing on the record we hear is the elder questioning Morpheus's judgment of the boy. I find that insulting. <laughs> He's went through all this. He fucking took care of everything you had that yeah. you put in front of him. And by the way, 45 minutes ago, he had no idea. And yeah, he, he didn't know who the hell he was. Kid, he was going, just a boy. Do you still deem him worthy? Don't you, you fucking dicks? Jesus Christ, why don't I go to sit and go, oh, I certainly do, my lord. Like, it's like fucking Charlie's grandpa and fucking Willy Wonka. Like, oh, I can barely afford my shoes. That's that's kind of the Yoda thing going on there again. You know, Yoda you know, busting somebody's balls thinking they're not ready yet. Hmm. He's too old. I'm six. Yeah, that's I always took the just a boy. He was like twelve years old. You know, he, I I was the boy. You know, when I was listening right. to the record. Yeah, I, I have to admit, even at see now at the time I was eleven, I even 
then I had like this kind of weirdness, like this just the story isn't me. And just a boy really hits you and says, "This song, this fucking record is about a boy who's gonna go fight evil in some wizard land." And that was never really my thing, you know. I mean, yeah, I, it was. I, I was a boy going to the grocery store, and uh, I would take the the centerfolds, the 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 posters from Faces and Circus and all them, and and pop them out and just jam them in like the Hit Parader. So that way I got all the cool posters <laughs> and only had to buy one magazine. That was that was what my boy was that just a boy was doing. I was oh, you know no fighting God. the 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 antagonist was the grocery store manager. All right, so final thoughts on the elder. You're obviously you and I love the record. And why do you think so many people like why can't they just not like it? Why do they have to hate it? Why do they have I, I, to feel it's like a bad album i think it's cool to hate it it was a period when pretty much everyone had jumped off the the kiss bandwagon but doesn't and, that make it more interesting right now like like it, it, there's more it's such an uncovered part of their history i i think it's just still people it, it's just cool for people to say it sucks let's just say it we're both thinking it why is chris sinzak so wrong on this record I don't know. I don't I some people just get it stuck in their head that it's a what bad a record and I mean we can both agree he's a total jackass when it comes to this point, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, we he and I have had this talk before in person over beers. Oh my like, god. Like it. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's brilliant. Oh my god. Yes. At some point you and I have to share beers. I, I met Ben for the first time about two weeks ago, so Oh Nice. Wait. I met Loose Cannon for the first Loose time Cannon. about two weeks ago. <laughs> But no, like yeah. seriously, why do people get so like they're, they're angry about it? I mean, like I, I was making fun of you know Senzek. Obviously, he gives me a lot of shit. So uh, I'm looking forward to the retort, boss. But he was like uh, in 1987, he became a Kiss fan. I mean, I almost get like why somebody like like us who were actually into Kiss at the time would almost have a revolt to it. But even like someone who got into it late goes, oh, it's just a horrible record. It's really not. I think that a lot of a, a lot of the Kiss fans like that they buy into the Gene and Paul party line, and Gene and Paul's party line is we don't acknowledge this album. <laughs> we want we don't want to talk about it. So then it's your standard Kiss fan, it's just not a good Kiss record. You know they drink the Kool Aid and and say that's right, it sucks. And I don't. I don't drink the Kool-Aid. I, I, I dug the album when I bought it new, and I, I still listen to it. This was the last time that them, at, at a time when they could control their destiny, they chose to do something. It just didn't financially work out. It'd be nice if at this point, especially considering how old they were, they would just lighten the fuck up on it a bit. Yeah. I think anything they would have done at that point would have failed because it just... Yes. Yes. It wasn't the climate for Kiss. It's, you know, a lot of bands kind of when you go from the 70s into the 80s, yep. it just kind of, it wasn't, you know, Cheap Trick was another one. The 80s were not kind to them. Do you think they should make a movie? Remember that guy was trying to do one for a while? No. Oh, no. he had like a kind of a Kickstarter thing going. He had like a loose script and then all this stuff. Uh, he's in the book, too. You'll eventually get to it. I No, I, I have zero desire to see a movie about it. Yeah, but me, I'll listen to the record. What about an animated version voiced by you and me? 
that I would be in for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like old school claymation, though. Oh, definitely. Yeah, or or puppets. Not the kiss meat Scooby Doo horse shit. Yeah. The... <laughs> I would like to do final thoughts, and I'll start with myself, only because I want to give my pleasant guest Rob here the last word. Let's put it that way. Um, the music when the music from the other came out, I was 11 years old. I had kind of checked out from Kiss, largely from peer pressure from uh, grade schoolers. I, I had spent first, second, third, fourth, and part of fifth grade basically being ostracized for only one thing, and I just got sick of it, I guess. Uh, and so I kind of checked out, but I always kept my needle in, in the groove, to so to speak. But this record, I didn't get a chance to really fully own and hold in my hand until probably about 1985. And then at that, before that, I was just listening to my buddy's copy, the one other friend who liked Kiss in grade school. And I, I, it instantly came back to me. I, I instantly gravitated right back to it, and I've never let go since. And at that point, I was you know pretty brazen in, in what I liked and what I didn't like. And I, and, and I had thankfully surrounded myself with... Uh, friends that were uh you know much more open to the idea that it's okay that we don't like everything the same i think the record holds up i think it's very good songwriting i don't think they needed to do a concept record um and i'm not sure that anything would have helped kiss at the time we we touched on that and with that said i i I think they delivered a very solid record i like it a lot i would call it a very good record but I, I don't agree with Paul Stanley where he says, it's a good record, it's just not a good Kiss record. You know what? It's okay for artists to branch out and do something different. And I like it. I like the idea that they just stepped out of the box and said, fuck it, we're going to do this. And it seemed like after that, because and only because it wasn't a success, they spent the rest of their career up till now. Well, now they're just basically chasing themselves in the 70s, but they basically chased something. You know, they, they, they decided that they had to go super heavy, like contrived heavy. I think Hotter Than Hell is the heaviest record they ever did because it was natural. Uh, the Creatures of the Night is heavy because they had to be heavy. And everything after that, as, good, as much as I'm a fan of it and I love it all and I'm a huge fan, they just kept chasing the carrot at the end of the, the, the stick. And with that said, I would like to say, people who just think the album fucking sucks, you're just wrong. You might not like it, but it's a pretty good record. Mr. I, Mr. Kern. I agree. I was uh, 13. I, uh, I was a diehard Kiss fan through thick and thin, even when everybody else ditched them and everybody laughed. Ha ha, I can't believe you listened to them. I stuck with them. And I bought this album new, and I played it for months, just as I did with every Kiss record. Kiss could do no wrong. Uh, Is it in my top ten? Probably not, but it's an album. It's like a a nice pair of old slippers. It's yeah. it's almost it's comfort food for me. I, I I play that, and it takes me back to I can remember what that Kmart looked like. I can remember the dingy floors, the the lights that were half burnt out. Two points. I remember the the record rack. I I remember everything about it. You know, just like I can unmasked. I can remember yeah, being I was in gonna a, say that with all the records, a, right? In a shoddy department store and seeing it on, you know, an end cap 
and and just being like, holy shit, it's a new Kiss album. And I, I never went through a phase where I said it sucked, even when everybody else bailed and said that's a stinker. I'm like, no, there's there's some great stuff on there. Um, like you said, I think they they could have done anything at that point, and it wouldn't have succeeded. Uh, I think if they, you know, there were discussions you read in that book where they were talking about taking the makeup off at that time. I think it would have been a horrible decision. It would have got them a little bit of press. The album wouldn't have sold maybe maybe 100,000 copies more, and it would have killed their career. There wouldn't have been a lick it up. There wouldn't have been an animalize. If if they would have went all out. If they would have actually taken it off and released The Elder, yeah, and oh, it yeah. didn't. It, you know, they it didn't sell enough for a tour because of that. Yeah, That's it was a uh, fucking fabulous point. Two more points. It uh, it it would it would have killed Kiss as we know as we know it. It it, it would have because there wouldn't have been that stretch without makeup to where they could dip back into the nostalgia bag and put the makeup back on. They just would have had nowhere to go. They would have been backed into a corner, and that would have been it. That's that. I've never thought about that. That is so correct. I think about shit like this all the time. Me too, which is like, <laughs> I, I, I mean, literally, like, I mean, whatever. We don't need to get into that. My God, Rob, what a fucking fun conversation. If if I didn't spend so much time just, you know, being a kiss nut, I would be a much more productive member of society than I am today. Maybe our biggest contribution that we could ever make make to society, Rob, is that we are like intellectuals on kiss yes. <laughs> without that we would have nothing <laughs> all right well hey man thanks for having me on i've had a great time yeah anything that i didn't touch on you'd like to plug real quick uh you can find my book 33 days in the whole of chicago yeah. experiment hilarious over at amazon it's it's a fun read um, it's pretty cheap. You can buy it uh, in digital or print, so it's perfect for wrapping your analog or your digital fish. Uh, you can catch Loud, Drunk, and Angry at uncontrollednoise.com uh, every Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern, Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern, and Mondays, 8 p.m. Eastern. Very good, and uh, thank you again for doing this. It's always a pleasure. Of course, you know you're one of my favorite human beings on the planet. Uh, <laughs> I love you, Baco. It's, I love it's, you, I, man. Thanks it's for having good. me on, man. All right, take care. Let's see ya.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 